Today's episode is called Christians and Politics. Now, don't turn me off. Don't head the other way. Don't go running as fast as you can. Don't start screaming. Don't email Time of Grace immediately and say, what are you doing? Give me a chance, okay? Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. So it's always interesting how God works. So way back when I chose a topic for the very newly formed in-home Bible study that I was forming, I chose the book of Judges. And at the time, I sort of was thinking, you know, in the book of Judges, everybody did what they wanted. They kind of went their own way. And it had been a while since I had studied, actually studied the book of Judges. So I just thought, you know, it sounds interesting and and let's get into it and see what God has to show us. And little did I know, right? Little did I know how God would be working and weaving and speaking to me and speaking to the members in our Bible study um, in ways that we couldn't have planned. So over the course of a couple of weeks, as I was planning our fourth get together, I was listening to all these sermons on my way to work, and they were just sort of all meshing and and starting to speak to me about all these things. And so when um, you know I went to present the Bible study, I had all these things on my mind, and it was just super interesting how it all played out. So I had listened to the book of Esther, I think three or four times. I had it had come up on my Bible um, dwell app as one of the things available. And it's funny how when you listen to the word, different things stick out. So I read the word, I underline in my Bible, I take notes, I have taught the book of Esther. But when I was listening to the word in on my way to work, it like different things stuck out to me. And I was like, whoa, I forgot about that. Or did it really say that? Or wow, that's right. Think about that. And so it was really speaking to me. And then I was listening to a couple of different um, pastors and their sermons and different things stuck out. And so all those things kind of came together to shape um, what ended up being sort of a theme without me even knowing it um, for our Bible study in the book of Judges. And I think the first major point that I want to make is that God blesses us as we get into his word. He is, he speaks to us. It's not random for him. So it, unbeknownst to me that I was going to come a- across this topic, you know, to me, I, I was randomly putting on the book of Esther from my dwell app. And I was randomly in chapters nine and 10 of the book of Judges. And I was randomly listening to uh, Alistair Begg and Insight for Living and his sermon series on the law of love. That seems random to me, but it's not. It's not a coincidence. God knew exactly what he was doing. He was leading, guiding. The Holy Spirit clearly was nudging. Now I could have very easily decided, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna listen to the Bible. I'm not gonna listen to a sermon. I'm going to just listen to whatever's on the radio. And I would have missed the messages and the things that God wanted to reveal to me. As it was, I 
this time anyway, <laughs> listened to the nudges and it ended up being really a neat experience. So first of all, you know, get into the Bible, listen to the word, um, get into a Bible study. I love that it's not random. So we're going through the book of Judges. So I'm not just opening up my Bible and going, okay, God, speak to me today. We are methodically working our way through the book of Judges. And whatever the next lesson is, that's the next lesson. So I'm not choosing the theme. God is really speaking to us as we're working our way through his word, his book, his His ideologies, his plan of salvation. You know, it's it's his. It's his, not mine. Um, I also just want to put a shout out that, you know, even when I teach, when I teach, I'm constantly using commentaries. I use the People's Bible, which has a very Lutheran slant. I use my Concordia Study Bible, which also has a Lutheran slant. I recently acquired several really good books that I'm using. I have a Bible dictionary. I have an archaeology book. I have um, the works of Josephus. I also got um, a book called Explore the Book by J. Sidlow Baxter. And I mean, the first printing was in 1966. The 12th printing, which is the copy that I got, was from 1975. It's not a chapter by chapter, but it's a general overview. And it is such a great general overview, saying things like, you know, in the book of Judges, here's what we see. You know, the people were not being true to God, and they were really mixing the religion of the people around them, the nations around them, with a very, very weak form of uh, worshiping God. And what was the result? Well, the result was they continually fell into sin. And as they fell into sin, they fell away. And as they fell away, God allowed enemies to overtake them. And finally, only out of their discomfort, they would cry out to God. It wasn't a true, you know, oh man, God, we we really sinned and gone astray. They eventually got to that point every time, <laughs> but it was after several years of being enslaved by a neighboring nation that they would finally say, man, this is uncomfortable. And we should maybe turn to God because the last time we did, he rescued us. So super, super interesting. And even in this, I'm just going to quickly say this last thing. Um, even in the book of uh, Judges chapter 10, the people again did evil in God's sight and they cried out to God and God said to them, hey, why don't you just you know, go to the gods that you've been worshiping because you never come to me. So why don't they rescue you? And finally, the people put away their idols. And they said, no, we've got to get back to things. And then God had mercy and compassion on them. And such a, a thing for us to consider. How seriously do you take your faith? The fact that you're listening to this podcast right now is a great sign. At least you're exploring, you know, a Christian viewpoint and and you're getting into it, but you know, let's get into the word and let's get into the Bible. Let's study the Bible. Let's take our faith seriously. Let's take what God says to us in his word seriously. Such an important thing for us to remember. Anyway, to get to Christians and politics, in Judges chapter 10, as I was studying and getting ready for for my study, we did Judges chapter 9 and 10. But I came across a paragraph in the People's Bible. 
that stuck out to me and it came, it became the theme of our study. This is what it said is on page 120 of the people's Bible book of judges. It said this spiritual decay and political decay went hand in hand. Had the Lord's people been spiritually faithful, there can be no doubt that Israel would have emerged as the dominant force in Canaan and would have fulfilled the Lord's initial expectation that the whole land be conquered. Sadly, the opposite was true. So it's so easy to look at politically where our nation is at and to grumble and complain and to go, wow, we're, we're just, we've been on bad paths for a long time, but maybe we need to look at our spiritual health and maybe what's going on politically is only an indication of where we are as a nation spiritually. I know when you look at it that way, it's a little bit mind blowing. So what I did is as we went through Judges 9 and Judges 10, because Judges 9 was about Abimelech and he came to power in a terribly wicked way. He killed all of his half brothers who were sons of Gideon. He killed 68 of them. One managed to escape and he was the 70th and he killed them so that he could come to power and he used the people of Shechem and money from their temple to Baal to buy thugs to help him do this. And that's how he rose to power. And the one son who escaped, Jotham, came and said to them, you know, people of Shechem, do you think that this is righteous, what you did? Do you think that this would bring God honor and this is how you repay Gideon who went and defeated the Midianites for you? And so he said, you know, if you've done a righteous thing, well, may it be a blessing to you. But if it hasn't, let it be a curse to you. And of course, what ended up happening is it was a terrible curse to the people. It was a horrific experience. And Abimelech wasn't a righteous man. And it's a whole chapter worth of um, unfortunate situations. But how God allowed it to, he allowed an evil spirit to come between Abimelech and the people of Shechem, much like God allowed an evil spirit to torment King Saul, much like God allowed evil into the life of Job. And so we had this, um, you know, realization that evil people come to power and sometimes God allows it to teach us, to refine us, to remind us of what we should be looking for in leaders to bring us to our knees. So anyway, as we went through this study, and especially when I came across this um, paragraph in the People's Bible, I decided to really look through God's word for just how we should be feeling, you know, about politics and what our role is as Christians and, you know, to sort of shape how we approach election years like this. So first of all, we went to 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 to 3, which says, first of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be offered for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, so that we may lead tranquil and quiet lives in all godliness and dignity. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. What do we learn from this? 
It is so easy to grumble. You know what's better? Pray. Pray for everyone. Pray for your mayor. Pray for the people on the city council. Pray for your governors. Pray for the people who are serving in Congress and um, in our Senate. Pray for our president. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our judges. If we're not praying for righteousness, why should we expect it? Also, remember that we are told to offer thanksgiving. Thank God that people are willing to serve our country. I don't really want to worry about bridges and infrastructure and the water system and, you know, all the things that I take for granted, like nice roads and that I have clean drinking water and that our bridges aren't collapsing. You know, I am glad that there are people who are willing to serve in that capacity. And when we say things like they are all crooked, we are, you know, talking about maybe the tip of the iceberg. We're not remembering the very many people at every level of government who are working super hard on our behalf. And I am absolutely positive that God has put his people in places. So let's, Let's avoid grumbling and let's try to remember to pray and not just during the election season. Pray all the time for all these people. Why? Because if they are taking care of those things, we are able to do our mission, which is to bring the word of God to the people. So the Apostle Paul says, Why do this? So we can lead tranquil and quiet lives so that we can do God's mission on earth, which is for all men to be saved, to bring the knowledge of the truth. So this is a really important thing for us to remember, and this needs to move up our prayer list. If it's not on our prayer list, it really has to move up. Pray for godly leaders. Pray for righteousness in our court system. Thank God for the many, many people who are working tirelessly on our behalf. Ask that God remove the corrupt people from from amongst our midst so that they don't bring injustice. But we need to start with prayer. Okay, next thing. Jeremiah 29, verse 7. Seek the prosperity of the city to which I have sent you as exiles. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For if it prospers, you too will prosper. This one was super, super important. So two, um, three, four, four of us who uh, were meeting for our Bible study are in healthcare. One is in computers and IT. And it's super easy for us to see the big corporations that we work for as not necessarily working for the good of everyone. You know, maybe not so much for the good of the patients or not so good, so much for the good of the coworkers or maybe doing some things, you know, cutting some corners that we see that we're like, mm, that's not good or whatever. And it's easy for us to see them, those things, and think, well, you know, maybe I just don't really care about this corporation anymore. And this was our reminder that, listen, when the companies that we work for prosper, we prosper too. So 
when we have a good job, we have the money to pay our bills. We have the money to feed our families. We have the money to give to missions. It was our reminder to go to work and work with all our heart. Maybe way up the ladder, the president of the company that we work for isn't the best. Maybe our manager isn't the best, but we can still go and do our best in our specific job, bringing glory and honor and praising God as we do so. It was a reminder to all of us as we had this discussion, we were talking about this. It was just a reminder to go to work and be the light, be the light in dark places. So the darker it gets, the brighter you shine when you are a godly person with a good attitude and who puts their hope in God. You know what? It's not about what the president of the company thinks. We remember that God is the God over all. And if God has allowed us to have this job here, he will be with us. He will bless us. As long as we don't have to cut corners, as long as we can, you know, act with integrity in our role, then again, we can pray for the good of the company. We can pray for good leaders, good managers, but our job should be to help our occupations, our businesses to prosper, our cities to prosper. Man, we want to be actively seeking the prosperity of our cities, of our our states, of our nation, and not just being doom and gloom like, oh man, the people have forsaken God. Bring us down, Lord. Just destroy this country. (laughs) And I hope none of you have been saying that, but it's just a reminder that it's not a terrible thing In fact, it's God-pleasing to work hard to be a, a, a good worker and to work hard for our cities and to work hard in our churches and in our neighborhoods to do what we can to have those places be safe and to be, um, places where, you know, needs are met. So that was another super, super good reminder. Then there's Proverbs 29, verse 2, which says, When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. Now, what this reminded us is that nothing is new under the sun, as uh, Ecclesiastes tells us. That, you know, there have always been times in history where the wicked rule. There have always been times that the people have groaned beneath the weight of bad judges or bad leaders, or whatever. But God, in his infinite wisdom, has still been there for his people in all times, in all periods of history. And this was just a super good reminder for us in our Bible study. Like, you know what? Okay, when good people rule, we're going to rejoice. And yeah, we might have to live underneath bad people at times for seasons, whether that's your mayor, your governor, um, you know, the president, whoever it is, or even like we were saying, the leaders of our of our companies or the managers that we're under for a time, we may have to groan beneath the weight of it. But we know that we are with God's people of all time, that great cloud of witnesses, as we're told in the book of Hebrews, who just need to look to God. And see that God sees, God knows, and in due time, if it's according to his will, then he will rescue us and put a different manager in place or a different leader. But in the meantime, if he doesn't, 
then we just go about our business with a right heart, no matter who is above us. So that was just a really good reminder for us. Okay, now we're going to go into something that could get controversial, but I'm hoping it doesn't. So Romans 13 verse 1 says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which is from God. The authorities that exist have been appointed by God. So we are talking about how, okay, so we know that God has put these people in place or God has allowed the people to be put in in place. You know, that son of Gideon's that came to power, Abimelech, he was not a righteous man, but the people in their wickedness appointed him to be their leader. They ended up paying the consequence of it. Definitely, it was. It's a very serious episode. If you want to go read Judges chapter nine, um, but so sometimes God allows us to get exactly what we're asking for. When we ask for this person as our ruler, for whatever reason, sometimes we are going to, you know, eat the consequences of our choices. And when we don't care about who the judges are, when we don't even look up who these judges are and what their ideology are, you know what their ideology is as we elect them, you know, we might get terrible judges. We might get judges who are partial, who accept bribes, who do whatever. And so it really is just a, a reminder that God allows these people to be put in power and then we're supposed to respect them. And we are beneath them. Now, We're going to go into two other passages that help us sort of reconcile. How do we reconcile it when the people in power are not necessarily good, when they don't make good and God-pleasing laws? What do we do then? Because not all laws are good and not all laws align with our beliefs. So how do we reconcile submitting ourselves to the authority Knowing that God has allowed these people to come to power when we disagree so much with what they're doing. Well, of course, we remember, you know, Peter and John saying we must obey God rather than men. We said that in the book of Acts. So we definitely know that, you know, when it comes to something that is definitely black and white, that God's word says this is wrong, we know we cannot you know, we can't uh, go along with this, then we are to obey God over men. But there are so many things that aren't so black and white. There are so many things that you think, well, this isn't good for the country, or this isn't a good plan, or we shouldn't be going this direction, or, or what have you. But it's not necessarily biblically wrong. So where does that leave us? Two passages we're going to discuss. First of all, we're going to go to the book of Daniel. Chapter 1, verses 8 to 15, that say this. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, 
please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Okay, so Daniel was brought to to Babylon and he was put in this training um, thing for three years, program for three years. And he was given this rich choice food to eat, which um, I imagine a lot of the people thought was amazing. Well, it went against some of the things that he believed in because they would have had pork. And as a Jewish man, he didn't want to defile himself in that way. We also know that they very often offered their meals to different gods. Babylon had many, many gods. And so the meal would be eaten in honor. So food, wine would be sacrificed in honor of a different deity. And that may have been part of what Daniel was opposed to. So how did Daniel get around that? Well, he didn't start a riot and he didn't stir up everybody else like you shouldn't be eating this food and this is wrong. He, it went against his conscience. So he asked for an exception and he did it in such a way that he was polite. He took into account the position of the man who was like, listen, I get it and I empathize with you, but this is going to be my head. If if I go against the king, I'm going to die. So Daniel was empathetic towards that man. He's like, okay, I don't want you to be in a bad position. I don't want to put your life in danger, but I want to, could we just test it and see if, you know, if we could work something out. So Daniel, again, in in chapter two, we'd hear him talking to the executioner with wisdom intact. The way that Daniel got around things was with wisdom intact. He spoke to people politely. He used wisdom to say, hey, I'm not asking you to change everything for everyone, but I am saying this kind of goes against my beliefs. So would there be an exception for me? And God granted him favor in the eyes of the official. This goes back to prayer. Like when we are asked to do something or when there's a law made that goes against our conscience and we say, God, I'm really feeling in my soul that this is against everything that I believe in, please help me. He can open doors. And we have to remember that so that we don't have to partake of things that other people um, don't see a problem with. And now we're going to go to Esther chapter three and verses two to four say this. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honor to Haman, For the king had commanded this concerning him, but Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. Then the royal officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why do you disobey the king's command? Day after day, they spoke to him, but he refused to comply. Therefore, they told Haman about it to see whether Mordecai's behavior would be tolerated, for he had told them he was a Jew." 
Okay, so the People's Bible notes that, you know, Jews were able to bow down to other people. So it wasn't so much like he, you know, wouldn't bow to anybody but God. We're going to be discussing this in greater detail next month when we talk about the book of Esther. So I'm not going to say much here, especially because the People's Bible warns that, you know, when we're given facts without an explanation in the Bible, we can really get into trouble if we start saying, this must be what this means. I am going to say this. When we get to Esther chapter 8, Mordecai goes before Xerxes. And I do wonder if he bowed down. We're not told. We were told that Xerxes summoned him, and that's all. Seems to me Xerxes is not the type of guy who's going to allow someone to come into his presence without bowing before him. So my question in my own heart, in my own mind, is, was Mordecai making a statement about Haman the man, or was he making a broader statement about people in positions of power who felt that they should be honored in a godlike way. I don't know. Like Daniel, there are going to be times that we see things very different than the unbelieving world. And there are going to be things that we say, well, I I don't really go along with that law, or I've got a problem with that teaching that they're trying to put in our school for these reasons. How do we go about it when we don't agree with those who are in a position of power? Well, we can still be respectful. We can still, um, in our heart, not curse them while saying, you know, rightfully, I I protest this and I don't believe in this and I'm not going to honor it. I think that's a good lesson for us. Okay, last thing. I listened to Alistair Begg. He has a program called Truth for Life. He's one of my favorite preachers. And he had a, a series called The Law of Love. And he read from Matthew chapter 5, 43 to 48, which says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Alistair Begg started teaching this, and he said, sometimes I wonder if I'm even a Christian. And he went on, it was the most transparent, beautiful confession. He's like, when I read this in my office and I highlight it and I say, yes, I'm all in. But the minute I go out into the world and people cut me off in traffic and there's protesters and people are doing things that I don't agree with, my heart can be full of hatred This is such a good reminder that those who are on the other side, so a different political party, those with different beliefs, those who are considered your enemies, what does God expect from us regarding them? He expects us to love them. 
He expects us to treat them with dignity. We don't have to agree with him, but we still have to love them. We still need to pray for them. Listen, if it was not for the Holy Spirit and the gracious gift of God, we would all be living in the darkness of sin right now. So we can't, you know, go around feeling like we're superior and we have all this, you know, unbelievable knowledge and we know so much better than everybody. No, like our hearts should be moved to pray for the other side. Our hearts should be moved to engage truthfully, honesty, honestly, lovingly with the other side instead of in this all-knowing, I'm right, you have to accept what I say because I'm a Christian sort of mentality and attitude. And I think that last line is super, super important. One of the people at our Bible study pointed it out. He's like, you know, that last line is a little bit daunting. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And this is the thing. He mentioned that other translations don't use the word perfect, but mature. Be mature, therefore, as your heavenly father is mature, as in spiritual maturity. And my study Bible had a note that said, hey, listen, we have to remember that God has high standards for us. And as we discussed that in our little study group, we were saying, you know, it's funny how we can set the bar so low for each other. As in, you know, somebody starts complaining about them, those people, and we just chip in like, yeah, they're rotten. How could they think that? Whatever. Instead of encouraging one another, hey, we're called to love. What have you done to love them? What have you done to show love? Are you praying for them? And such a good reminder that even in terms of what the Apostle Peter said, um, you know, don't just be content with the milk of the word. Get to spiritual maturity. How do you do that? You get in the word. You study the Bible with other people. You get involved in the church. You um, spend your days, you know, listen to sermons. Get into programs that, that really, you know, encourage you to go further. Don't be content where you're at. It is super easy to pat ourselves on the back. Hey, I'm good enough. I'm not even talking about you know, being good enough in terms of, you know, being a a good standing Christian. I'm talking about how we figure, oh, you know, I know the gospel. I know I'm saved. You know, we can, no, we're told to work out our salvation. Like, let's not be those Christians who are Sunday morning Christians, but who leave church and leave everything behind. Jay John had this wonderful talk. I've brought it up before. It was on Focus on the Family back in September of 2015, I think. It was something about a new perspective for life. And one of the things he talked about is where is God in your car? So do you let God be your passenger, you know, in the front seat with you? And he can he can add his comments now and then when you're ready to listen to him, but you're controlling the radio and you're controlling the direction of your life and you're controlling everything. J. John said, are you one of those people who pulls up to church on Sunday morning, gets God out of the trunk, lets him come with you to church? Then as soon as you get back into your car, you're like, get back into the trunk. 
He said, you know, if we're going to let God be in the driver's seat of our life, then we're going to let him take us to some pretty uncomfortable places. Places like forgiveness. Places like overlooking the offenses of others. Places like generosity. No, like you you can give up part of that paycheck to help somebody else. But don't we want to get there? Don't we want to get to the point that as mature Christians, we're like, God, you take me where you want to take me and use me how you want to use me. And let me be content with your plan for my life because your plan is a million times better than mine. I will be so much more useful. And by the way, that's what Esther did. In the book of Esther, as I was listening to it again, when she went to the king, she was allowed to take whatever she wanted to take. And when she went to the king, she took only what the eunuch Hathic told her to, to, to take. She wore what he chose. She didn't, she didn't do her own thing. She listened to the people around her. And it's such a beautiful attitude for life when we can say, you know, God, I'm yours. Use me how you want to use me. Take me where you want to take me. Give me the attitudes of love and humility that Jesus had so I can do the greatest good in your kingdom. So in a political season, I hope that these thoughts really help you and shape your actions and your attitudes so that we can really glorify God. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. If you're a faithful listener, would you rate and review Little Things? There's so much vying for time and attention, and reviews and ratings really do make a difference as to what people see. Let me thank you in advance. And don't hesitate to reach out. If you have a suggestion, I am so happy to hear from you. Thanks for being here.